Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, back in action, coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting once again from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not freaking out over Tim Scott's presidential announcement. Yo, the same media that likes to tell us Republicans are racist, they do it like it's going out of style. They're now losing their collective minds over a black man running as a Republican. The media is a bunch of losers. Fascinating stuff. And this, of course, comes as the NAACP continues to insist that Florida is not safe for black people. This despite the fact that the chairman of the NAACP lives in Florida. You are so full of shit. Folks, there's never been a dumber time to be alive, but we're going to educate the masses today. Emily Campagno is coming by. She's the co-host of Outnumbered. Uh, she'll be in the house. We're also going to talk with Brian Brenberg, econ professor at the King's College, co-host of the Big Money Show on Fox Business. He brings us up to speed on this looming budget battle over in D.C. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. Truer words never been spoken. 888-788-9910 if you want a piece of our homecoming show today. I've been on the road. I was in Clearwater last week, Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Then I was in D.C. Sunday and Monday. Now I'm finally back in New York. The rules still the same, man. You can be a Republican. You can be a Democrat. Just don't be a <laughs> There it is. Happy Tuesday. Uh, busy day in the TV so far, if you follow that sort of thing. I was on Fox & Friends early this morning. We posted that on the Fox Across America website, foxacrossamerica.com. You can also see my hit with Stuart Varney there as well. Uh, tonight, I'm getting the band back together with Jesse Waters in the 7 p.m. hour. There's a lot going on, okay? But we begin today, as always, with some you and me time on the radio. And something we kind of built on yesterday that we'll follow up on today very quickly is the reaction to Tim Scott's candidacy. Now, to be clear, if you're looking at the polls right now, you know, Tim Scott is, I don't even know if he's top 10 in the Republican Party. There are people who haven't even announced that happen to be ahead of him at the moment. This could be a problem. Well, as things get going, Tim Scott is armed with as much money as anybody. And in truth, he is the one candidate the left fears more than anybody else because he does take away their lane. You know, the entire Democrat ethos is to just call Republicans racist. That's all they've got. So even yesterday, after Tim Scott announces his candidacy as a black man, he gets a very curious take from the ladies over at The View. The View is awful. Well, they weren't the only media outlet to slight him or his candidacy, but we will, of course, start with them and then we'll work our way down. Uh, intellectually, of course, we'll be working our way up because the, the view is weapons grade stupid. I mean, these these are people that have every word spoken, written for them on a teleprompter. And when they wander off the teleprompter, it really shows based on the lack of knowledge they possess. Dr. Jill becomes a surgeon general. His wife. Yeah. Joe, Joe Biden's wife. Because she, you know, she he would been... never do it. But she, she, yeah, she's a hell of a doctor. She's an amazing doctor. I she's a doctor and PhD. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I, I could be wrong. Maybe I thought she was yeah, a I think she, I she's, she's oh. a teacher, but. That was embarrassing. <laughs> Did you hear Whoopi Goldberg? Dr. Jill should be Surgeon General. She's an excellent doctor. <laughs> this is what happens, though, when they go off prompter. The people of the view are very stupid. 
that very unintelligent people. Like if you watch it day in and day out, it has nothing to do with their race. It has nothing to do with their gender. These are just stupid people who say stupid things. They have a very minimal grasp of issues, and they also have a phenomenal warm-up comic who is basically prodding the audience with a cattle prod to get them to react and cheer at things these women say. But you can't watch five minutes of The View and not walk away feeling like... I'm surrounded by idiots. Just weapons-grade stupid. So we expected some type of hyper-reductive reaction to what Tim Scott said yesterday. And to be clear, I'll give you those words first. What Tim Scott was trying to do was base his candidacy on the America we're living in. Not the pretend America the Democrats want you to believe exists where we're all oppressed and nobody has a chance to get ahead. I mean, you look at The View alone, okay? The View, you got two black women sitting on either end of the table. They're both making multi-million dollar a year contracts telling you that black women are oppressed in this country. That is a fact check false. But think about that. Nah, it's, it's so hard. And what Tim Scott is pushing back against, which I applaud, is this idea now that we're using symbols of achievement to sell us oppression. Okay, it's dumb. Okay, Barack Obama should have been an inspirational story, whether you voted for him or not. Wow, this is the moment anybody can be anything. We can all stop talking about race now. Clearly, okay, the overwhelming majority of the American people are far beyond race to have elected him not once but twice with overwhelming support, despite the fact that the guy didn't even do a good job. Don't be thick, all right? But think about that. Barack Obama was a pretty terrible middle-of-the-road, I'd say middle-of-the-road president if I was being generous, but his biggest foreign policy achievement was giving Iran, the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world, $50 billion in cash assets. That's stupid! Use your common sense. But he ushered in the era of identity politics, where every policy disagreement was reduced to an issue of racial bias. Okay, that's what the Democrats became. Well, why are we disagreeing with this guy? What's so different about him that they won't preside over the radical expansion of the government? Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. Totally. So when a black man runs as a Republican, they call them racist, too. Here's Whoopi Goldberg saying he has something called Clarence Thomas syndrome. I don't even know what to make of this, but it's clip four. I think one of the issues that Tim Scott um, has is that he seems to think because I made it, everyone can make it. Ignoring, again, the fact that he is the exception and not the rule. And until he is the rule, then he can stop talking about systemic racism. Clarence Thomas syndrome. You don't have a clue. Okay, just because I made it, everyone can make it. Yo, the view, okay? This <laughs> Half the panelists are black. They're making millions of dollars a year. Have you looked around at pop culture? Have you looked around at pro sports? Have you looked around, I don't know, Washington, D.C., in terms of who is being elected? We have a black vice president right now who is so dumb she studied for a COVID test. Okay, we clearly wouldn't have elected her if we were somehow in possession of some type of racial animus. I think he's got a point. Don't ever forget, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris got more votes than any campaign in the history of this country. (laughs) 
But they did. Okay, the record will show that they did. Okay, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris got more votes than anyone in the history of the country. Come on, don't bullshit me. That is what the record says. But what is she calling it? Oh, Clarence Thomas syndrome. What does that mean? Okay, in her worldview, it means they think just because they were able to make it in as conservatives, other black people are welcome too. I think if you were to ask a guy like Byron Donalds, he would tell you that black people feel welcome in the Republican Party. I think if you were to ask the lieutenant governor of Virginia, Winsome Sears, that black people feel welcome in the Republican Party, the truth is everyone on the left knows black people feel welcome in the Republican Party. They're just horrified by that reality. That's true. That is true. So they're just going to keep on yelling racist. Here's a little more Whoopi Goldberg. Clip five he's done some good stuff okay but if you're running for president you got to do more than that yeah you have to represent us as a nation and then say and as a black man this is also how i feel but you can't pretend that it's not there mm-hmm. and that it's not an issue for the people you're running for the party you're running for they are in part the problem what would you do with a brain if you had one? That's such a fair question to ask her. Okay, the claim she's trying to make there is, oh, the Republicans, that they're the party of racism. That's what's going on here. I mean, come on. Shut up, fool! What an idiot. <laughs> uh, I, I, mean, I don't even know where to start, okay? But if you wanted to have a conversation based on substance, okay, it is not the Republicans that preside over Philadelphia, Baltimore, Chicago, St. Louis, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Los Angeles, all towns where the black murder rate is soaring. Correct mundo. Okay, it is not Republicans that have ushered in a 40-year high in inflation that is crippling anyone living on a fixed income, low-income Americans, and yes, the black community. Correct mundo. Okay, Republicans haven't opened up the southern border. Republicans aren't standing in the way of school choice. You know who's standing in the way of school choice? North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper and every single Democrat behind him. Why? Because the teachers union is the biggest lobbying arm of the Democratic Party. So at the end of the day, they'll get out there and tell you they care about black kids, but they'll simultaneously trap them in failing city schools because they know they're going to get a paycheck from the teachers union at the end of the day. Money, 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 money. Here is Tim Scott responding. To what they said on The View, clip six. We have to ignore the far left by disproving their lies by our actions. Here's the funny thing. The host, Sonny, she wants to be judged by the content of her character, not the color of her skin. The fact of the matter is America is the story of evolution. Never told story of evolution in too many of our schools that are indoctrinating our kids instead of educating our kids. What's in the way of that? What's in the way of providing a child with a better education and a better future? The radical left. True story. Okay. There's no Republican telling a kid they can't get an education. Here's North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper declaring a state of emergency over school choice. Clip 17. It's time to declare a state of emergency for public education in North Carolina. There's no executive order like with a hurricane or the pandemic. But it's no less important. It's clear that the Republican legislature is aiming to choke the life out of public education. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Let me give you a little more. Clip 18. I'm declaring this state of emergency because you need to know what's happening. 
If you care about public schools in North Carolina, it's time to take immediate action and tell them to stop the damage that will set back our schools for a generation. You can't handle the truth! I mean, what a dirtbag. Okay, so if you're a kid who's trapped in a failing school, you're not allowed to move. Nope, school sucks. Deal with it. Because, I don't know, something about the Republicans being racist or something. It's all platitudes. It's all garbage. Like when you hear Whoopi Goldberg talk about, oh, Tim Scott represents the party of racism. <laughs> what are you talking about? In what world? Okay, if Republicans are racist... They're doing a really bad job of showing it. It was the Republicans, led by Tim Scott and Donald Trump, that spent $75 billion worth of opportunity zones on low-income black communities. It was the Republicans, led by Tim Scott and Donald Trump, that ushered in the First Step Prison Reform Act that freed over 300,000 nonviolent black drug offenders who were sentenced over the overzealous guidelines of the 1994 Joe Biden crime bill. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? I mean, if you want to talk about racist, if you want to talk about the soft bigotry of low expectations, it was the Democrats who told you that asking black people for voter ID would be the equivalent of Jim Crow on steroids because they're not capable of getting one. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in in Georgia. And 40 other states. And I'll play a little montage, but tell me if you hear any Republicans pushing to defund the police in 2020, something that has led to a 35 percent increase in the black murder rate around the country. Yes, I support the defund movement because this is about the the um, investment in our communities, which have historically been divested. Not only do we need to defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Why use the word defund? Why use the word defund? And it's like, this is the word that's coming from the streets. Oh, you sound insane. Do you realize that? You should be medicated. But here's the best one. This is my favorite one. Aisha Roscoe is an NPR host. And she makes her way over to CNN yesterday. CNN is the worst. Listen to this characterization of the Tim Scott speech. It's clip seven. I think that was a great speech for 1996. (laughs) I don't know that that speaks to 2023. And I do think that it's very interesting. And he's doing what the other Republican candidates other than Trump have been doing, is they're focusing on the left and all these things. But their uh, path to getting the nomination goes through Trump. And until you go through him... Um, and, and until we really see what that looks like, it, it just, I don't know what is the path. You have to go through Trump to get there. In my opinion, that sucked. Okay, not a great speech. And she's not wrong when she says you got to take on Trump head to head. But you understand they're not running against Trump per se. Okay, the message Tim Scott is trying to reach is not to the Trump hater, but to the America lover. He's trying to speak to the reality that we're living in as opposed to the pretend land of oppression the Democrats want you to believe we inhabit. And the only reason they're mischaracterizing his words or telling you he's Clarence Thomas or it's a good speech in 1996 but not – it's all embarrassing stuff. But why aren't they speaking directly to Tim Scott's claims? Because they know they're true and they're horrified of the reality that we might start having a conversation based in substance because anybody who watches The View knows that's the last thing they'd ever want to do on that show is tell anyone the truth. I 
anywhere fox across america with jimmy Fela. we'll be right back all right this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process how do you do that jimbo we're talking about nugenics total t okay every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone which means less muscle less energy less get up and go in the bedroom that doesn't sound any fun but are you really ready to lose your shape your muscle maybe even in your energy you don't have to Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total T. Nugenics Total T, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total T before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now, get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword jimmy text now you'll get a bottle of nugenics thermo x the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast it is absolutely free your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword jimmy it's 231-231 and you enter the keyword jimmy texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages consent not required to purchase message and data rates may apply It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon sifting through the wreckage we call social media. So many dopes out there. We're going to get into it in the next break. Of course, the NAACP, their chairman, it's my favorite story in the world, issuing a travel warning to black Americans saying don't go to Florida. And, of course, this guy lives in Florida. <laughs> You're the lowest form of life on earth. <laughs> I know he can't go there. I'm telling you, it's bad. Don't come. It's bad. I just, you know, it's too much traffic. (laughs) I I hate these long lines to get into a restaurant. Don't come. Okay, people feel safe in Florida. It's why they're moving there in record numbers. Every race, ethnicity, sexual orientation. But what we've come down to in this America, and this is where social media is just the death of us, man. It really is. Is everything, everyone is so intellectually lazy now. People just want likes. You know, no one's dealing in fact. They're catering to emotion. Black people aren't safe in Florida, said the black man as he bought a house in Florida. I mean, get that. Do you see how stupid that is? But people just hear the message and they're like, oh, hey, whoa, better watch out for this DeSantis guy. The black people aren't safe down there. You know, other than the fact that they're moving there in record numbers. But they must not feel safe. They're just going there to, I guess, confront the threat head on. I don't know. The point is there's never been a dumber time to be alive than right now. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. going to have a grown-up talk about self-awareness here on Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. I know a lot of you listening who watch me on TV 
What the hell do you know about self-awareness? Wearing the clothes that you wear on TV, dude. What do you? I think he's got a point. <laughs> Stop it. Maybe not self-awareness from a fashion standpoint, but to be clear, I actually know what I'm wearing on TV, and uh, the crowd loves it. Wrong. Oh, stop it. I don't have to take this. Let's talk for a minute about real self-awareness. Something that's happened in our politics in the age of social media is we now cater to emotion over fact. We're living in an era where people's emotions are their facts, and sometimes the people who get on TV and sell you an emotion – as a way of getting you to agree with them, as a way of making you hate your political opposites, sometimes those people become so emotional themselves that it denies them self-awareness. Self-awareness is something that would otherwise force you to ask yourself, hey, do I sound crazy right now? Hey, do I sound like I'm full of Okay, now if you have self-awareness, you're constantly asking yourself that question. You know, when I'm on the air talking to you on the radio, I know I say wild, crazy, stupid things from time to time. But I'm constantly in my head asking myself, hey, uh, am I making a good point here? Do I sound like a lunatic? Is there anything hypocritical about this? You're supposed to constantly be running a system of checks and balances on yourself if you're a broadcaster who's going to reach millions of people. You know, or, you know, thousands of people if you happen to be working for CNN. Oh, stop it. Okay. Even over at MSNBC, where they just, it's just nonstop race baiting. People, basically, what MSNBC figured out a few years back is the only people watching are self hating white people, liberal elites on the coast and inside the DC Beltway that just hate themselves so much that they just tune in to be told that they're smarter than the racists in the middle of the country, they're smarter than the racists down in Florida and in the South, and then they go home to their $7,500 studio apartments, stick their head in the tub, and scream. Ah! These people hate themselves. I live in New York. I just got back from D.C. I was there for 48 hours. They hate themselves. It's fascinating. Okay, so what they spend most of their time telling people is confirmation bias. Tune in tonight and... Joy Reid will tell you why you're better than those other white people. Joy Reid is a race-baiting loser. Totally. Okay, but the people at the NAACP, okay, the NAACP did phenomenal work in helping to integrate our society 50 years ago when we were actually denying people their civil rights. Today in America, there is not a single person being denied a single right. Okay, that's just a true story. There is not a single person in America being denied a right. I admire your honesty. Okay, there's nothing you can't do if you're gay. Nothing you can't do if you're trans. Hell, if you're trans... You can compete in things you might not even biologically belong in. You have, like, bonus rights if you're trans. I mean, come on. You can be a man. You can swim against women. Okay? You already had the right to swim as a man. Now you have the right to swim as a woman. You get extra rights. Okay? It's crazy. Okay? But that's the reality we're living in right now. So there's nobody out there that can point to a right, whether it's the right to vote, the right to work, the right to be tolerated. Okay? There's nobody out there being denied any of those rights. Okay? But the politics of our time are so heavily reliant on making people emotional in an effort to avoid a substantive debate. This is the problem, and this is the secret at the same time. Okay, we're really lazy now. The smartphone made life so hyper-convenient on so many levels that nobody has the patience or the passion for an intellectual debate, for a substantive exchange of ideas. People want to be told how to feel. 
And people often align with viewpoints that resonate with them emotionally, which is why over and over and over again, everything is called racist. He knows what he's talking about. You think about how they tried to sell you climate change. Okay, they told you climate change was racist. Kamala Harris said illegal immigration is happening because minorities in third world countries feel threatened by the weather, so they're coming to America. Kamala is a lying sociopath. Fact checked. Imagine people fleeing cartel violence, food insecurity, corrupt governments. You get on TV with a straight face and look into the camera and go, well, no, they're worried about the weather in 50 years. She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. But that is how it works. Don't ever forget, Kamala Harris was calling Joe Biden a racist until until he offered her the vice president's gig. Come on, man. But that was going on. She even said he was a rapist. She believed a sexual assault accuser. And then he offered her what? He offered her the vice president's gig, and she was like, I love to, Joe. Phony laugh. (laughs) But understand, okay, they're constantly catering to racism because it is something that makes people emotional, justifiably so, okay, in a lot of instances, because this is a country that was founded during a time of institutionalized slavery. That being said, no country on earth has done more to level the playing field than the one we're living in. Tell them like it is. Okay, no one. no, Nobody on earth. Okay, but understand when it comes to winning your vote, it's not about reality. It's not about delivering for you. It's about making you hate the other side. Politics used to be, these are my ideas, this is how I can help you. Now politics has become the other guys are evil. That's what it is now. Vote for us because the other guys are evil. Well, uh, can you explain how you're going to improve my life? The answer would be no. No, answer is no. I I cannot explain how I'm going to. It's a battle for the soul of our nation is what Joe Biden ran on. Did winning the battle for the soul of our nation improve anybody's life? The answer would be no. No. Inflation's at a 40-year high. The border's out of control. Crime is up. Your kid can't get an education. Sending all of our money over to Ukraine. And when we're done doing that, we're giving a lap dance to your kid in kindergarten by some guy by the name of Cinnabons. What the hell is the world coming to? I don't know. But in the state of Florida, people are actually thriving. They're moving there in record numbers. They're vacationing there in record numbers. Okay. That has ultimately made Ron DeSantis, the guy who presides over a state with no state income tax, Okay, that has made Ron DeSantis a hot commodity on the 2024 presidential circuit. Wrong. Well, that is reality. He's hot. He's launching his campaign later this week. I'm not telling you he's going to win. But the Democrats sure believe he's going to because the NAACP, which was once so instrumental in getting us actual civil rights, is now become a political lobbying arm of the Democratic Party. And they're out there trying to slander Ron DeSantis in the state of Florida as racist and hostile as black people. This despite the fact that the chairman of the NAACP lives in Florida. Democrats are so full of crap. Here is Derek Johnson on CNN talking about it. This is clip 12. We are advising African-Americans and others that if you travel to Florida, beware that your life is not valued, that we have a political landscape that could cause harm. Oh, that is a lie. If you travel to Florida, beware that your life is not valued. Yo, do you realize how disgusting that is? Do you realize how divisive that is? Do you realize that this is the grift they will never allow for unity because unity don't pay the bills? 
Okay, you know what pays the bills? Racism. Division. That's why he's saying things like this. Your life isn't valued in Florida. Dot, dot, dot. Please give us money. That's what's going on. Okay, let me give you a little more. Okay, because Derek Johnson was asked on CNN. Well, what about the fact that 13% of black Floridians voted for DeSantis? That's millions of people. That's significant, right? Not according to him. Clip 13. 13% of the black population is no small feat uh, for a Republican candidate there in Florida. Well, I have never seen an accurate exit poll in 30 years, nor have you, nor have that network, and I'm surprised you will repeat an exit poll number. Exit polls are historically wrong and misleading. You're a liar. Okay, so rather than speaking to the substance of the poll, well, the exit polls, they're always wrong. Okay, so let's say it is wrong. Let's say it was 12%. Let's say it was 11%. It's millions of black people voting for Ron DeSantis. Why? Because they're doing well in Florida. They're getting an education. The crime is down. They have the lowest state unemployment rate in the country. Does it sound like a place that doesn't value lives? The answer would be no. But this is my favorite thing in the world, okay? I love this one, and you just got to bear with me because I have to get through this with a straight face. I talked to you about self-awareness and emotion-denying people their self-awareness. These guys go on TV. They hate DeSantis. They hate Republicans. They want to win the election. Selling you racism pays the bills. So they tell you Florida's no good as they themselves live and vacation in Florida. Here's Leon Russell, okay, NAACP chairman, defending the fact that he lives in Florida. He lives in Florida. He said, don't come. It's a travel advisory. They don't value black lives. Does that mean he's putting his house up for sale? The answer would be no. See, he planned on issuing this declaration without being outed as someone who lives in Florida because he's used to the mainstream media doing whatever. Oh, Republicans are racist. Okay, run it. It's not like, all right, can we double check why they're it? No, they don't do that. They just run it. Okay, oh, this slanders or makes them look bad. Yeah, run it, print it. We don't know if that, no, no, just run it. Don't worry, we'll look at later. That's what they do. I got a story here, but I don't know if it's a good look for us because our chairman lives in Florida. Don't worry about it. Just run it. Get in the paper. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. So this race-baiting jackass who lives in Tampa, on with Joy Reid, defending the fact that he lives in Florida. Clip 15. First of all, he's full of bull. Secondly need to understand that it's not about money. It's about people. It's about <laughs> humanity. Second and thirdly, quite frankly, we haven't, we haven't told anybody to leave. In fact, the NAACP is encouraging folks to stay here and fight. Mm. If there was ever a reason to stand your ground, it's black people, LGBT community, the immigrant community, women need to stand our ground in Florida and fight and understand that the fight is a political fight. Stray clown. I mean, stray, just clown. The guy lives in Florida. The official words of the NAACP president, we are advising African-Americans and others that if you travel to Florida, beware that your life is not valued. That is offensive, and it is not true. Well, Harris Faulkner, she was just down in Florida. We hung out. So weird. Okay, but this is my favorite one in the world. I just, I love this so much. I saved it. Aisha Mills is over on MSNBC. Just MSNBC is a well-dressed insane asylum, okay? It's just liberal lunacy, and all they do is just yell racist. That's, that's just the show now. You, just, you can sing along. It's like Rocky Horror. You know all the words to the show. doesn't matter who comes on. They're racist! 
All right, thanks, Morning Joe. Up next, <laughs> Chris Hale. They're racist. All right, thanks, Chris. We'll see you in a little bit. Joy Reid comes and joining us now. They're racist. That's all they do. So here's Aisha Mills, my favorite thing in the world. She's a Democratic strategist. You talk about emotion denying you the self-awareness that would otherwise tell you you sound like an idiot, a hypocrite, or both. Aisha Mills, in the clip I'm about to play you, tells you that Florida is becoming a terrorist state for black people. She simultaneously admits she was just visiting with her family. <laughs> Listen to this, clip 14. I really appreciate the NAACP's guidance uh, on this issue. You know, I just took my family to, to spring break in Florida recently, and I think about all of the folks who traveled there for sun and joy um, and peace and restoration, and to be reminded that actually this is getting to the point where Florida is about to be a terrorist state to, to many of us here in America, certainly as a lesbian, as a black woman. I don't want to have anything to do with the place. <laughs> <laughs> Work this out with me. I really appreciate the NAACP guidance on this issue. You know, I just took my family to Florida for spring break. Yo, I mean, because nothing brings the family together like a trip to a terrorist state. Am I right, you guys? I, I remember vividly. My mom calling us up right after September 11, 2001 and being like, pack your bags. We're going to Afghanistan. <laughs> Florida's a terrorist state, she says. I don't want to have anything to do with the place. You know, once I get my vacation photos back. You are so full of <laughs> shit. No, I hate the place. Once I get a frame for that picture of us on the roller coaster with our hands up, once we get that out of the way, nothing to do with the place. That's a terrorist state. I want nothing to do with Once we get done posting our vacation pictures on Instagram, a couple of selfies of the food we ate, <laughs> I want nothing to do with the place once that's done. Do you get how shamelessly stupid these people are? Okay, and you need to understand, if no self-awareness, but bigger than that, they have no shame. These are people who live and vacation in Florida telling you not to go to Florida. No, it's not safe in Florida. You can't go there. Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Totally. Okay, but give the man credit. I know there's not a lot of Geraldo fans listening to the show. But here is Geraldo, to his credit, calling this out for exactly what it is, clip 16. I think uh, the NAACP is one of the most venerated and respected civil rights organizations, certainly, that have been around in my long lifetime. Uh, you know, they have uh, they fought the good fight for civil rights. Yep. But this is not about that. This is a travel advisory. This is a warning to tourists to stay out of Florida. And I think in that regard, it really is... Uh, is a, a fear-mongering publicity stunt. And I, I, uh, I, I find it very uh, much to be in bad taste. You are correct, sir. The NAACP is an organization, okay, that rose to fame by fighting for unity. We're now living in an America where that very same organization has been hijacked by people who live and die to promote division. Because screaming and yelling about racism that doesn't exist 
is the only way to pay the bills when you no longer live in an oppressed society. Are you tired of losing political debates because your party doesn't have any good ideas? I had the same problem until I got racism, the Democrat prescription that reduces every single issue to race problems. I'm Kamala Harris, and I approve this message. Using racism can make you feel like a good person, even if you're patently terrible. I have some skeletons in my closet that I need to cover up so that I can get elected. And with no basis in fact, personal attacks have never been easier. Whether you're slandering an ex-president. I don't think they like me very much. Or even a dead children's author. Mom, they canceled Dr. Seuss. So don't waste your time finding solutions to real problems. Create pretend problems. It's not enough to say I'm not a racist in America. I need to be anti-racist. Warning, a percentage of Democrats who used racism experienced limited grasp of facts and were prone to blurting out racist things themselves. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Ask your government-provided doctor about racism today. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America. Your main man, Jimmy Fallon. We are stacking the deck from here. Emily Campagno, co-host of Outnumbered, is going to join us. Brian Brenberg, host of the Big Money Show on the Fox Business Network, is going to talk to us about the budget battle. Essentially what the budget battle has become is an effort by either side to mischaracterize the other side's position. The Democrats are like, oh, the Republicans are racist. They want us to die of climate change. And then the Republicans have to counter that with, well, the Democrats want to pay people to stay home and not work, which, to be honest, is true. Okay, but somewhere in the middle is the substance of balancing the checkbook, and it needs to get done. So how about everybody in Washington gets their head out of their asses and we get this show back on the road? Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Is it ever? And we are back in action. Got a big hour coming up on this show, the high-flying, death-defying Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. We're back in New York, finally. I was on the road. Now I'm back here at Fox News headquarters, and uh, Emily Campagno is going to stop by and class this joint up in this hour. We've got a lot to discuss. It's kind of a state of the union. We always say Fox Across America is America's family meeting. You know, we sit at the dinner table. We discuss the issues facing the family. Uh, sometimes we bring over the good upstanding relatives. Other times we bring over people like Emily. Uh, 888-788-9910. Just taking cheap shots at my buddy in case she's listening in the elevator on the way up here. Uh, we will reconcile that on the air. Uh, but either way, you agree with me, you disagree with me. I am a talk show host. I am not an activist. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. Just talking about the country we live in. We're talking about our unique American privilege. Okay, everybody likes to talk to you about things like white privilege. The reality is if you live in this country, you hit the lottery. Doesn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. Doesn't you can identify as a fish. I don't care. Jump back into the water, you're doing fine. Okay, bottom line. So, on this show, you can agree or disagree, it doesn't matter anywhere in between. The only real rule. We're not going to sit here and listen to you badmouth the United States of America. It's pretty much it. 
okay? And we want you to tell the truth, okay? That's the only thing I really prioritize on this show is I'm not trying to steer your vote one way or the other. I just need you to have one safe space, one port in the political storm where we discuss these issues from a place of fact and where we bargain with you in good faith, meaning, you know, there's a lot of hypocrisy we get stuck calling out. There's a lot of stupidity we get stuck calling out. You know, in the last hour of the show, we were talking about the fact that the NAACP issued a travel advisory telling people not to go to Florida, this despite the fact that the head of the NAACP lives in Florida. What a fraud. But that's what they do, okay? They issued a travel advisory. Don't go to Florida. Black people aren't safe there. You know where the NAACP's headquarters is located? Baltimore. Bingo. Are black people safe in Baltimore? The answer would be no. Is anybody safe in Baltimore technically? The answer would be no. No, they've got one of the worst murder rates in the country. Okay, as does Chicago, as does St. Louis and Milwaukee and Detroit and Philadelphia. What do these places have in common? They're all run by Democrats. Correct the mundo. But you don't hear the NAACP calling them out. Why? Because they're not actually brokering the truth here. They're just trying to slander a political opposite, the NAACP, which rose to prominence by trying to sell the world on the idea of unity, now makes their living spreading division. And it's a real stupid thing to watch, but it's the reality of what's going on. Okay, you know who else makes all kinds of money spreading division? The people's pantsuit, Hillary Clinton. Remember her? She ran for president had the entirety of the media behind her, had late-night comedy, had all of Hollywood, had every media outlet known to man saying Trump was literally Hitler. She was the only thing that could save us. Of course, this ended with her howling at the moon. (coughs) Although no one was more disappointed than her husband, who missed out on the opportunity as first gentleman to meet with other first ladies around the globe. I mean, are you going to tell me he wasn't fired up about that? I believe... That together we can make America great again. No question. But here's Hillary. I bring her up. Why? Because she did a little uh, little symposium over the weekend. Hillary is like a political stray cat. We fed her once and now she just won't go away. Just <laughs> won't go away. She's got too much energy. I don't feel no ways tired. Will not go away. So over the weekend, Hillary Clinton. Okay, the woman who we now know because of the Durham report, actively, actively, interfered in our democracy. Okay, what the Durham report told us is that the Mueller probe was based entirely on opposition research bought and paid for by the Clinton campaign. The Clinton campaign, just so you understand, created, they wanted a counter-narrative to her private email server. So they created a story that Trump was back-channeling with an alpha bank that happened to be in Russia And this was some type of proof that the Russian government was involved and they were colluding with Trump. Hillary's campaign leaked that to the FBI and then turned around and tweeted as a campaign, whoa, the FBI is looking into this story that Trump is in cahoots with this alpha bank in Russia. This is politics as usual. It's also disgusting. Okay, their Twitter. Did you hear what the FBI is doing? Yeah, they're doing exactly what you just handed them to do. This is absolutely gross. But that's how they roll. So anyway, Hillary Clinton, who conceded the election loss to Trump and then spent the next three years trying to stage a soft coup that would get him thrown out of office. 
by leaking one anonymously sourced bombshell report after the other, hoping Trump would ultimately self-destruct in a death by a thousand cuts scenario and fire Robert Mueller out of frustration, creating the perception that that was a there there. Ah, uh, you have a good eye, my man. That was the plan. OK, we don't have collusion. We know because we made up the story. But if we can make this collusion narrative so omnipotent, he might freak out, fire Mueller, and the next thing you know, he's gone anyway. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. Well, that's kind of what the Durham probe bored out. Okay, but Hillary Clinton, out on the speaker circuit, raking in some more money, telling you with a straight face it would be the end of democracy if Donald Trump were to win the presidency. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. She knows no shame. Here it is, clip eight. Look, if Trump wins, which I do not believe will happen, let me just quickly say that, if in some scenario that were to happen, um, it would be the end of democracy in the United States. It would be the end of Ukraine. It would become a, you know, we, he will pull us out of NATO if he wins again. Uh, just like he pulled us out of the Iran deal, he pulled us out of the Paris Accords, he will pull us out of NATO. Such an idiot. <laughs> this is pretty much the worst video ever made. <laughs> It'll be the end of democracy. If this guy gets enough votes to win, that'll be the end of democracy. <laughs> Stupidest thing in the world. Okay, if somebody pulled you out of NATO, well, it might not be the worst thing in the world. If they're not going to pay their fair share. But the point is the people who lecture you about fear-mongering are telling you the world's going to end if they don't get their way. It's going to pull us out of the Paris Climate Accord. It's going to end NATO. You understand? Nothing says the other side's fear-mongering like vote for me or you're all going to die. Let me give you one more, though. Here's clip nine. When you ask this question, I mean, the, the list of potential uh, disastrous outcomes is longer than I have time to uh, go over with you. But it's why we can't permit it to happen, why any sensible person who looks at that uh, former president and says, oh, let's do this again, um, <laughs> needs an intervention, um, because he's only gotten worse. I mean. Oh, shut up, woman. Seriously. But what is she really trying to say there, just so we're all on the same page really quick? Okay, she's trying to say this is a guy that's capable of anything. Ending NATO, ending the world because of the climate, ending democracy. It's an old screenwriting trick. Okay, if you want to make the hero look bigger, you increase the size of the villain. Give him that many more odds to overcome. In politics, the reason they increase the size of the villain is because that gives them more latitude to retaliate against him in unprecedented ways. That was the whole point of, like, Trump is literally Hitler, you know? He's going to arrest all the minorities if he wins in 2016. Women won't vote again. Get on a pussy hat and head down to the D.C. mall. That was the hook. And why was that the hook? Because in their eyes, that justified any type of retaliation known to man, whether it was making up Russian collusion in 2016, banning the Hunter Biden laptop in 2020, or telling us the whole country was systemically racist and we needed to disband the police force and replace a guy that had been in our systemic government for three years with a guy who'd been in our government for 50 years. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? So what she's really saying, okay, in that clip 
is not this is a guy that'll do anything. It's that we are going to do anything to stop him if he gets the nomination. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. The show that leaves you without hope or change. I'm telling you, man, this stuff will poison your mind. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The most terrifying weapon on the battlefield. The second I started actually shooting it, then it was just like power. The function. It fulfilled a niche role that really no other weapon at the time could do. The fear. You were up front, and you had to be. And the fire. This was by far the coolest thing I have ever done. (laughs) The flamethrower. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, and the woman voicing those clips is the host of Weapons of War, which is available now on Fox Nation. I find this so ironic because I consider you a weapon of war. (laughs) Emily Campagno, a population control device if ever there was one, joining us now. I mean, if anyone who hangs out with you, we've lost a lot of good men out there at the bars and battlefields. Yeah, you Uh, have. But let's talk about Weapons of War. This sounds badass. Um, it is by far the coolest thing I have ever done. I'm not just quoting myself in that trailer, not only for the premise, which is that in every single one of these five episodes, I experience and take you along for the ride one of the weapons of war that shaped America's history. Not only for that, but also because what I got to play with. Yeah, I was going to say. Things like a flamethrower and not (laughs) not just shoot a flamethrower, but then cook a steak with a flamethrower, not just shoot a minigun in a range, but then shoot a minigun from a helicopter while like circling around a a mountain and Uh then getting the targets from there. I drove and shot a Sherman tank, the howitzer, which is the Uh most like powerful weapon in private hands history Uh and the flintlock musket which may seem like it's not that big of a deal but i assure you that thing has a boom to it these episodes are explosive and of course the show is dedicated to the men and women of the armed forces who fight valiantly day in and day out to secure our freedom amazing stuff emily Campagna. let me ask you was any of this stuff aimed at russian troops is this like a workaround? Because now they say we can't put boots on the ground. We're like, well, tell Campagno it's a Fox Nation series. You've just listed every badass weapon we have. We'll send her over there. No, you're filming them. Just shoot that way. Tiny little bomb, Emily, with a big, <laughs> mighty weapon. In that her is head. crazy. It's five episodes. I haven't watched any of this, but you know the one I want to watch now is Flamethrower with a Steak. Dude, I'm telling you, like, I've been blessed and honored to do a lot of stuff in my life, but, mm-hmm. like, I'm not just saying this. The no, flamethrower, by far, is the cool. That weird scream, that animalistic, crazy, primordial scream for uh-huh. me, that was, like, joy. Just joy at the power of that flamethrower. Yeah, I was man. gonna ask you, what is it like? What is a flamethrower like? Is someone who's dri- who drives big engines? Yo, it is literally. It's again the power. Imagine the biggest thing of flames coming from your hands, and weirdly, you get all hot. Like it actually, yeah, yeah. it actually physically heats up. So picture, uh, you feel like a superhero. You're like a dragon. You are. Yes, I am a dragon. All hot and like, poof, like. 
trees were burned. I mean, I, one of the the clips cuts off right as I say, "Are you sure this is legal?" Because uh-huh. I was like, "This me burning down the state of Texas cannot be legal," but it was, and oh. it was amazing. And I just, oh my gosh, hats off to those men, those brave men in Vietnam that use it as an actual weapon. Mm-hmm. Hats off to this show. It is incredible. It's available now. Go to my Instagram, Real Emily Campagno. You can click the link. Go to FoxNation.com. It's right there. Mm-hmm. Weapons you, of war. Do you know how many people would pay to watch you shoot a flamethrower? Like I'm saying, the guy's listening because it just sounds cool. Yo, but this is free. They can watch. They can watch this for free. I, I literally want. Oh, and after I was telling my family all excitedly about it, my dad was like, "Oh, I have one." Because you know you can for agricultural purposes. Oh, that's so I'm going right. to ask him if I can play with it this weekend at the farm when I go home oh. to visit. But that's like a good promotion for like charity. Is <laughs> like if people could send you things, they want you to flamethrow. <laughs> You know, I mean, it can't. It has to be like this tasteful. picture of my high yeah, school yeah, I broke up boyfriend. With my ex. Yeah, exactly. Dude, that would be like a thing. It would. If we did this on TikTok, we'd be like gazillionaires. You and I should do it in your backyard. I'm so into that. Yes. <laughs> what are I, we gonna torch first? Oh my gosh. Um, I gotta tell you, I don't know how the homeowners policy covers. <laughs> Today is the five year anniversary of me moving into that house. It would be no so, way. It would be. It just dawned on me like a, a few minutes ago when I looked at the data. I was like, oh, yeah, we moved into my house today five years ago. But the point is, I don't know that the celebration calls for a flamethrower. Anything calls for a celebration <laughs> of a flamethrower. I'll tell you that right now. That's like, that's like, you, do you need an excuse to open a bottle of champagne? Do you need an excuse to start flamethrowing around? No, you don't. No, you're right. Emily Campagna, you're either living or dying in this world. That's and right. everybody knows you're not truly living unless you have a flamethrower in your backyard, <laughs> apparently. Was there anything else you shot beyond that that was like really sick? What did you shoot out of a helicopter? Dude, the the minigun. The oh minigun is insane. You know that whole that whole belt of uh-huh. um, shells on my desk that you've seen? That yeah. was from the minigun. Oh, get out. It's it's literally in three seconds, it's like a thousand rounds. Mm-hmm. It is I wish I could do sound effects. It the it is that power is insane and to do it from a helicopter out the the side of a helicopter uh-huh. in the Vegas desert. I mean That's I sick. It was sick. And then shooting the Sherman tank, by yeah, the way, yeah. the concussive blast, you can see in slow-mo, like, it shows my entire, like, it's, it's literally yeah. out of a movie where my hair, like, like boom, <laughs> it's so great. It was, I, honestly, if I could have one thing for Christmas besides a flamethrower, it would be that this is renewed for multiple seasons because I'm pretty much, if just... my full-time day job could just be... Yeah, you want to go shoot Weaponing. stuff, blow yeah. stuff up. Historical weaponings. That is crazy. All day and all night. The series is called Weapons of War, and it's on Fox And the Nation. host is amazing. The host is, like, she's a good time. <laughs> like, she is. You can't tell from these interviews, but I promise, she's fantastic. Somewhere oh inside, gosh. there's a great person. I'm kidding. You're Somewhere the best. But no, it does. It sounds amazing. Uh, the only thing, like, so do you now, having shot all of those? Like, are you like having withdrawal? Do you play Call of Duty all day in your free time now, or total withdrawal? Your head? I yeah. walk around feeling like New York City is the most boring place on earth. Um, P.S. It's not just shooting two guys. Like, I got to drive a Sherman tank a lot. Did you though? The screaming, dude. The- how is this? Like, this is weird. This is what I want to say about our lives. We talk a lot. <laughs> okay, it's like sometimes I'll find myself talk, talking to Jenny, and I'll be like, "Yeah, by the way, I saw like the president yesterday." It's like, how did you not right. tell me that? Like right. the things we don't tell people that we're close to that we talk to because it just didn't come up in in an another conversation you drove a tank i drove a tank jimmy and it and actually i I keep saying this it was really amazing i prefer i swear you all know i have that 72 mach 1 i love driving fast i love drag racing but driving the tank sort of blew that out of the water because picture i mean picture driving a tank with your head sticking up there's this whole scene there where i'm (laughs) screaming bloody murder because in my head we were Mm. going off a cliff 
upon retrospection, it's like a 3% grade. It okay. looks ridiculous because yeah, yeah. I'm screaming with terror. It's like basically flat. <laughs> but we drove through this river. Again, I'm screaming because I think we're the, – the, the ultimate power, the ability of that thing to navigate and surmount anything in its path like cannot be understated. And the coolest part, you know who built them? Who? Women. While the men were fighting overseas, oh, hell yeah. women built the Sherman tank. So it really represented the full United States effort that on the home front mm-hmm. and on the battlefront, everyone came together for Team USA, which you and I yep. are the cheerleaders for. Believe it. I just wish you didn't use that tank to chase Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. <laughs> it's unfortunate. It's, it's unfortunate. But we finally found the source of the hijinks. I kid. <laughs> The series is called Weapons of War. The host is called Emily Campagno. A good time gal, if ever there was one. I would. I, I'm actually going to watch this, dude. You have. You have. No, to. no. We'll talk it's about like, it. It's so. It's the, good. Apparently, the only way I'm going to get caught up on our friendship is, <laughs> is to just watch the series. I had no idea. You're driving <laughs> tanks now. This is amazing. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And I got to play you one more clip from Hillary Clinton. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Listen, if I got to listen to this crap, what do I say every day? The whole hook of this show is the one radio show where you're kind of the star. It's not the host. You know, that's always the hook of the show. So I'm not the star we are. We have a community here. We do all these live events. The show we just did in Clearwater was outrageous. Like a thousand lunatics. Great people. One of the best crowds I could ever hope to play. And it's such a cool thing to watch this movement grow. But, you know, your obligation here, your end of the deal, you don't have to always buy comedy tickets and show up to whatever town I'm touring in, but your end of the deal is, you know, we're sharing the responsibility of hosting this show. You weigh in from time to time with your opinions, but more importantly, okay, you have to process the same lunacy that I do, okay? I played you Hillary Clinton clips earlier of her talking about how the world's going to end if Trump wins, and what she's really trying to say in a roundabout way is she hasn't ruled out running against him. That's what we're talking about. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Now, I can make that claim. Why? Because when she got done bashing Trump at the symposium, you know who she went in on next? Joe Biden. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Are you ever? Listen to this. Hillary talking about Biden's age. Clip 10. Now, there was that heart-stopping moment where he almost fell over coming down the stairs a day or two ago. Is that a concern? Well, I mean, it's a concern for anyone. Um... And we've had presidents who've fallen before who were a lot younger, um, and people didn't go into, you know, heart palpitations. Um, but he, his age is an issue, and people have every right to consider it. Come on, man. Now, Hillary, that's, uh, what would make you think this guy's age is an issue? That's the part I just don't get. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the... Go, you know the you know the thing. <laughs> just, I don't see where she's coming from with this age thing. You know the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, he's a he's a mess. We have a president that is clearly not all there, and people know that, and she knows that. But she's not. This isn't a moment of like honesty. This isn't a moment of candor. This is a woman who has not who has absolutely not 
ruled out the fact that she herself would like to run for president again. Bingo. Okay. The old adage is that the presidency is a disease that is only curable by death, meaning people who want to be president really want to be president until the day they die. They obsess over it. They're constantly contemplating scenarios where there might be an opening for themselves. That's why in the run-up to the midterms, Hillary Clinton was all over the media. And the going rumor was that she was going to position herself as a sensible alternative to the woke left. They're crazy. They really are. And the prevailing wisdom was that the Democrats were going to get clobbered in the midterms. There was going to be a red wave. That was going to be the beginning of the end of Biden, at which point they'd need a successor who could come in with some name recognition and the ability to raise money. And that's ultimately what she was angling for. But then, oddly enough, good news for the Democrats in the midterms was bad news for Hillary. But she's still got this reality that Biden has launched his campaign, but he's not actually campaigning. You gotta do better than that. One would think. Okay. Yeah, he went on a little trip. He was over at the G7 in Tokyo last week. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. Now, of course, he's back in D.C. trying to hold it together. But they are so aggressively managing, okay, playing that damage control prevent defense on the president that a lot of people inside the beltway still believe he's only running to postpone the inevitable, which is him being a lame duck president. Okay, I don't think a lot of people believe that he is in the capacity to serve another four years. In fact, 32 percent of the American public, just 30 percent. Two percent thinks he's mentally fit to do the job. Thirty two percent. The other 68 percent, the other 68 percent look at Joe Biden and say to themselves, this man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. So when Hillary is bringing up Biden's age, it's not just candor. We all do know age is an issue, but coming from a former standard bearer, someone who absolutely wants to run again She's only bringing up his age because it could ultimately benefit her. That being said, his age is his age. The guy's a mess. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. That's why you hear stories about J.B. Pritzker out of Illinois. That's why you hear stories about Gavin Newsom. Okay, obviously we've heard some reference to Kamala Harris potentially being the successor if Biden were to leave the ticket. I mean... Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. The Democrats wouldn't nominate Kamala. Forget the Republicans. Every time the Democrats want you to believe the Republicans are racist and misogynist because of how they treat Kamala or Kamala, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but the truth is, okay, Kamala ran as a Democrat for the presidency and was polling at 1% when she dropped out of the race. 1% percent. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Ha ha! And it was the Democrats that felt that way. One percent. So if we're a bunch of racist misogynists for not having Kamala in high regard, what does that make the Democrats who had her at one percent? I think he's got a point. Exactly. Okay, the point is she sucks. She's terrible. Democrats really don't know what to do right now because Biden is historically unpopular. Seventy-five percent of the American public thinks the country is headed in the wrong direction. And this presents a problem for the bureaucrats who run the country because you understand Biden's not the president. His appeal to party leadership is that he's not in charge. This entire presidency 
has been an iTunes user agreement. I tell you this all the time. They just hand him an executive order and tell him to scroll to the bottom and click I agree. You know when you're getting something on iTunes, you're getting a new song, you're getting a new app, you got to scroll to the bottom. You don't read the terms of, you know, the terms of agreement. You know, you just get to the bottom terms of use. You just click I agree. I want the app. Come on. I want to see some cat pictures. Come on, give me the app. I want that video. Give me the app. Come on, scroll, click. I agree. That's how ty- that's how TikTok enabled the Chinese Communist Party to get every piece of sensitive data about you. That can't be good. Dude, TikTok gives them your biometric data. The Chinese government, if you're on TikTok, knows your health records. The Chinese government, if you're on TikTok, can get the keystrokes on the computer or any other Wi-Fi device you use TikTok on. You know what that means? If you use TikTok and you also bank on that device, they know your password. Okay? The Chinese government can do anything to you because you scroll to the bottom and clicked I agree. Okay, scrolling to the bottom and clicking I agree, it's a marriage of convenience that never ends good for the groom. Okay, but that's what's happened to America under Joe Biden. The people who have told him, scroll to the bottom and click I agree, one after another have downloaded apps onto our way of life that have corrupted the quality of everything. The minute Biden got into office, what did they say? We're going to kill the Keystone Energy Pipeline. Wait, what? Why would we do that? We're energy independent. Scroll to the bottom and click I agree, old man. You want your pudding cup of what? Come on, man. All right, all right. Scroll to the bottom, click, I agree. Okay, now we're going to rescind all the border policies. Wait, what are you talking about? We just, we cut illegal border crossings by 80% under the previous president. Scroll to the bottom and click, I agree. Come on, man. And they just click, I agree. That's what they do. So the problem for Washington right now is they want four more years of Biden because they get to call the shots. Unfortunately for them, the shots aren't working for the vast, 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 vast majority of Americans. So there is an appetite for another candidate to step in and replace Biden. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. The later it goes, the better off she is. But the problem Hillary has is the problem Biden is has. Okay, they can't run against anybody but Trump. I agree with that. They need somebody with high negatives, somebody who turns out the Democratic vote because they'll vote against. Like you think of the 2020 election, nobody voted voted for Joe Biden, not a single solitary person. They couldn't because he didn't campaign. He wasn't allowed out of the house. He was grounded for a campaign. Never seen anything like it in my life. Mom, can I camp? No, you're grounded. Get up in your room. Mom, can I go on Zoom? No, Joe, you get you get in your room. All right. You just get you get in your room. The media will run for you, Joe. You get in your room. We will run for you. Let's go watch some Bonanza. When this thing's over, you'll be president. That's how kind of how it went down. Trump ran for president. The media ran against Trump. OK, what the Democrats are desperately hoping for this time around is Trump will get the nomination so the media can run against him again and they can turn the vote out. Just understand this, dude. I have Democratic strategists on the show. I talk to all kinds of people off the show. Some of them are Democrats that just don't come on Fox because they're you know beholden to CNN. You know, CNN is reapportioning itself as a moderate center-of-the-road network now. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. Not at all, but they're going for it. They're trying. But the one guy everybody in the world does want to run against is they want to run against Trump, just so you understand. That doesn't mean Trump can't win. It doesn't mean I don't like Trump. It just means for the Democrats, he gives them the easiest path to victory because most of their work's done. They've already successfully convinced 65% of the country that Trump is the devil. I know it's not true. You know it's not true. 
but they've successfully sold that car. Okay, people own that vehicle now. They're driving it down the road day in and day out. And for that reason, the baggage Trump brings to the table, the automatic emotional baggage Trump's name conjures up, allows a much easier run to the White House if you're a Hillary Clinton or a Joe Biden because there are built-in negatives to counter your own. Nobody likes Hillary Clinton, okay? Her unfavorables are off the charts. Nobody likes Joe Biden. They think he's insane. Okay, really think about that. People look, 32% of Americans, I said it before, think he's mentally fit. Biden's lost his marbles. Totally. So think about that. Okay, so they're not going to run successfully against a young, sharp guy like a Ron DeSantis. They're not going to run successfully against Nikki Haley. They're certainly not going to run successfully against Tim Scott. But if you bring someone who has their own personal negatives to the table, it allows them to get a lot of the attention from their flaws projected onto the other side of the aisle. That's the strategy. That's the appeal of Trump. So what Hillary's doing in this moment is, yeah, Biden's old. Don't get me wrong. He's got a good record. I support him. Nah, the guy's he's doing great. It's, you know, but the age is an issue. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if he happened to slip and fall out of the race, we needed somebody to step in, I'd be there in a second. I mean, that's essentially what's going on here. And it's going to continue to go on. Like Gavin Newsom is out there running around party circuit, working the media. I told you when I was in D.C., it was at every party. It was stunning. It's like, wow, this guy's like campaigning right now. Just trying to gin up support in the media. It's something politicians do. Um, because a lot of these people are activists masquerading as journalists. They're not looking to hold people in power accountable. They're looking to help the right people get into power. That's how the media sees its job in this day and age. If we had a serious media, the revelations from the Durham report last week or the revelations the week before from the fact that the Biden family is funneling money from foreign entities through 15 different LLC accounts to their grandkids' bank accounts, that's the kind of thing that raises a lot of questions if you have actual journalists. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. Yep. But that's why the Democrats are able to get away with what they get away with. There is nobody out there trying to hold them accountable. Okay, let me give you another example. Okay, Andrew McCabe used to run the FBI, partisan dirtbag now. He's over on CNN. We had an attack today. They're calling it an attack on the White House. Kid crashed a U-Haul into the White House, into the White House security barricades in the middle of the night last night. Okay, young kid, teenage kid. And uh, to be clear, okay, I was more taken back not by the fact that someone attacked the White House, but by the fact that someone was able to rent a U-Haul in a liberal city. People are fleeing in such record numbers. The fact that he actually got a U-Haul, I was like, what? The? No, come on, man. Come on. Someone was able to rent a U-Haul in a liberal city? Come on. Don't bullshit me. It's actually really hard to do. I'm not being arrogant. You know, if you're in a place like San Francisco, people are fleeing in such numbers, they will pay you. Pay you for your U-Haul if you happen to be driving it into San Francisco. If you're trying to leave San Francisco, good luck getting one. But anyway, before we had any facts on who the person was driving this U-Haul, Andrew McCabe went on and said this was clearly white supremacy. It was linked to January 6th because the guy supposedly had a Nazi flag in the U-Haul, which very well may have been the case. But then we came to find out uh, that the kid driving the U-Haul uh, is clearly not white, but of some type of Middle Eastern descent. Oh, wow. But here is Andrew McCabe on CNN. Okay, guys to run the FBI. Flat out telling you, no, this is white supremacy. We didn't have the facts. We didn't even know. We didn't even know the identity of the driver yet. But clearly there was a link from one to the other. Why? 
because it helps the Democrats. Is that actual journalism to be making these claims without the facts? The answer would be no. Not even a little. Uh, Here it is, clip 22. This fits very neatly within that warning that we've heard again and again. And I think you have to draw a line from uh, this apparent attack on the White House by someone bearing a Nazi flag to at least some of the people. It's hard to say how many, but some of the people involved in the January 6th attack on the Capitol. How do we know that? Because some of those folks were carrying the same sort of symbols, uh, Nazi flags, Confederate flags, things like that, that show you a commonality of ideology. It doesn't mean that they all know each other and they were all planning those two events together, but it shows you there is a thread of extremism and particularly racially motivated extremism in this country that is also now directed at uh, institutions of government. Uh, So these are things that our security professionals are very focused on right now. And as we saw last night, for good reason. It's terrifying. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Now, to be clear, the person who crashed a U-Haul into the White House is a dirtbag and should be prosecuted to the highest extent of the law. There's no place for that. And the person very well may have voiced some type of white supremacist views. I don't have an answer there. Okay, but the gentleman's name, Missouri teenager Sai Varshith Kandula, is 19. Sai Varshith Kandula, uh, they want you to believe, is a white supremacist. He happens to be a Middle Eastern person uh, who, again, I have to tell you, is not white. Ergo, it's hard for me to buy at face value that he is a white supremacist. And this is the problem I have with the media today. This is the problem I have with the direction the country is going in. People on the left love the media because they're just constantly attacking the Republicans. They're constantly spreading allegations of racism. But we're fighting a lot of pretend battles. Is this guy an issue? Yes, he should be locked up. Okay, absolutely lock him up, prosecute him to the moon and back. So I'm not trying to downplay the significance of this loony and his actions. But I am trying to tell you that anyone with a straight face that tells you white supremacists is the biggest problem facing our country. Fentanyl's the number one cause of adult death in this country, okay? Fentanyl ain't coming here from white supremacists, unless you believe Joe Biden is a white supremacist for opening the border, and let's be clear, uh, he wasn't always nice towards the black community. He eulogized a member of the Ku Klux Klan. That doesn't mean I'm calling him a white supremacist. That just means I think he's an idiot. But the fact remains, guys like McCabe, who ran the FBI really trying to tell the rest of the world we're a bunch of white supremacists is why no one takes us seriously. We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just, they're not respecting our country the way they used to. The critics have spoken. It's a mess. It's a mess. This is Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. We're going inside the Beltway in the next hour. Back to the swamp. I just escaped the swamp. Now I got to go and get inside this budget battle. Brian Brenberg's coming by. He's the host of the Big Money Show on Fox Business. This guy knows the economy. He can translate this into plain English, and we can explain how it will actually affect you. That's what we do on the show. Instead of, like, talking about this stuff all day, like, hey, this will help the Republicans, or this is going to help the Democrats, we do this old-fashioned thing. Well, we talk about the events going on in this country as they pertain to you and your family. Do you remember that? Just good old-fashioned America, rising tide lifts all boats, that sort of thing. We'll have a little more in the next hour. You're welcome. Freedom! 
Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Some breaking news as we come out of the gate here in hour number three. Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, is going to announce a run for the White House tomorrow at 6 p.m. Get him out of here. Get him out. Don't doubt that Trump isn't a fan of such things, but it is official. Fox News confirming. Literally, it's on the TV screen as I'm talking to you right now. I just pivoted. It's called a pivot. I was going to say the one thing, then the other thing happened, and now here we are talking about DeSantis. We're also going to get into the budget battle in this hour because Brian Brenberg is coming by. He is a cable news super hunk, co-host of the Big Money Show on Fox Business. He is an econ professor at the King's College, and he basically took one look at the budget situation in Washington and said, Country is being destroyed by stupid people, by very stupid people. We got a lot of stupid people. I always tell you, I'll never bore you to death with all the policy wonkiness of how budget, you know, deals are made. The only thing I will tell you is you should run a country the way you run a family. And I'm right about this. You have X amount of income. You have Y amount of bills. You have what you want to do. You have what you need to do. You understand? And if you just basically took that targeted, responsible approach to spending, you wouldn't have a country that was $32 trillion in debt. $32 trillion in debt. All avoidable if you run the country like you run a household. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. But instead, because of all of this pie-in-the-sky entitlement nonsense... What we want to do is oftentimes taking precedence over what we need to do, which ultimately means what we need to do becomes that much more drastic. What do we want to do, kids? We want to go to Disney World every weekend. Okay, well, after three weekends, the only way to pay for it is to have dad turn tricks behind Space Mountain. Well, you think that's bad? <laughs> Where do you hear what happens in week four? What the hell did you just say? Stay with me now. Okay, they're reckless in D.C. They're spending us into oblivion. Republicans aren't wrong to call that out. You know when Republicans are wrong? When they get back in power and they keep spending too. That's just how white folks will do you. <laughs> it's the scam of the whole thing. Everyone in Washington, this is not a Democrat, this is not a Republican thing, they love spending money. Okay, they love spending money. Spending money is popular. Okay, but where the values differ is in what we spend it on. Okay, the Republicans want to spend money to boost domestic energy production. They want to boost money to spend money to secure the border. Okay, they want to spend money to increase the strength of our military and bolster the men and women who protect us and police forces around the country. Those are good things to spend money on. Okay, the Democrats like to spend money on entitlement programs. They like to spend money on enhanced unemployment that will pay able-bodied people not to go to work, folks. That's not right. No, it's not. It's one that drives me crazy. My wife teaches and has spent a great deal of time teaching people who cannot physically do for themselves. The idea that those people who are forced through no fault of their own to rely on social safety nets in some instances are now watching able-bodied people who should get off their ass and go to work get a paycheck from the government, I'm telling you, it's not right. To quote Kevin Meaney, That's not right. It's not right. Okay? But let me give you some here. Because they're discussing this debt battle. 
Okay, and Kevin McCarthy spoke to this yesterday. He spoke to the reality that the Democrats want to borrow more money to continue to subsidize these entitlement programs. Okay, many of which benefit people who have no business being on them. Clip 28. We want to take from people from poverty to jobs. We want to take, it's only for people who are able-bodied with no dependents. I don't think it's right that we borrow money from China to pay somebody that has no dependents able-bodied to sit on a couch. What we find is people become more productive. Every, so that's, that's, your, that's still a red line for you? Every study has shown it helps the economy, helps people, and it helps our supply chain make us less dependent upon China. I mean, think about that. Okay, now we'll pay people who are young and can work to stay home. That is financial lunacy. Of course it is. And we're certainly reconfiguring so much of our economy to prioritize green energy initiatives that benefit who? China. China. China owns 75% of the lithium-ion batteries that power electric cars. They're buying up all the mining infrastructure in Africa. And what's funnier about all of this green energy nonsense is we're buying all of it off the biggest polluter in the world, a country, China, that has absolutely positively no intention to cut back its emissions anytime soon, number one. So it's like we're trying to quit smoking. We're buying the patch off a guy who has a cigar in each hand. Okay. But number two, and this is the thing nobody ever tells you, every one of these electric vehicles is powered by fossil fuels. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. Your electric car doesn't run on the sun, doesn't run on the wind, doesn't run on the water, doesn't run on any of that. It runs on fossil fuels. You plug it into something powered by coal. That's how you charge an electric car. So at the end of the day, you know the old expression, six of one half dozen of another? That's all electric vehicles are. It's just using fossil fuels in a different way. You know what you make your electric car with? Fossil fuels. Okay, so when we talk about priorities, when we talk about domestic spending priorities, okay, both parties love to spend money. Don't let the Republicans tell you they'd cut spending because they would, in certain instances, control spending. But ultimately, whenever two parties change power, they change playbooks. And the other guy goes on to do a lot of the things they were mad at the other party for doing. This is politics as usual. Oh, no question. I mean, what do the Democrats tell you? That Trump was a dictator because he signed so many executive orders. Biden signed five times as many executive orders as Trump the minute he got into office. Democrats are so full of crap. Of course they are. And Republicans can be full of it, too. But the reality is we are $32 trillion in debt. If If we as a country are to look at ourselves like a family, Okay, with X amount of income and Y amount of bills, we are doing a really lousy job of being the head of household, which is why the news of DeSantis getting into the race. Okay, he's going to launch his White House bid on Twitter with Elon Musk, from what we're being told. Which is bananas. I don't know what to make of that. Uh, Elon Musk retweeted Tim Scott's campaign announcement yesterday as well. But I guess that would make you think DeSantis has the support of Elon Musk. Uh, Elon Musk, of course, pretty prominent in the social media sphere uh, in this day and age as the owner of Twitter. But the fact remains the presidency is becoming a battle for relevance. In the early stages, you're going to have about 12 Republicans on that stage. If Trump shows up to debate, you got Trump one, DeSantis is two, Tim Scott is three. Okay, you got Nikki Haley is four, Vivek Ramaswamy is five. We're being told that 
Glenn Youngkin of Virginia is now running campaign ads, which was ostensibly move it to six. Okay, there's talk of Chris Christie getting in the race. There's a slob. There's a real slob. But if it happens, that's seven. Okay, so you're talking about a lot of people at, at a minimum. We keep hearing Mike Pence is going to run. Wrong. I don't know that he is, but that would get you all the way up to eight. There's talk of Christy Nome getting into the race, which would put you all the way up at nine. I mean, we're talking about real numbers here. Okay, you've got Asa Hutchinson, who claims he's running as the former governor down there, <laughs> which gets us all the way up to 10. Some people think Sununu might get an 11. And if Larry Hogan runs, I think he believe he said he's not going to run. That would get us all the way up to 12. My guess is at a bare minimum, we're going to have seven or eight. And it's become a battle for relevance, and it's going to become a battle for fundraising. Now, the guys with the most money right now, oddly enough, are Tim Scott and DeSantis. Trump has a bit of a war chest himself, but a lot of Trump's donors have gravitated to other members of the party because they feel like they give them a better chance of return on their investment. Okay, Trump is the name. Okay, Trump is the guy when you get in the ring, you know, in a lot of ways that, you know, they say you talk about like being the team nobody wants to play. Okay, nobody feels good about their chances in a head to head against Trump. But what they're hoping for is in a battle royale scenario while everybody's hitting each other with steel chairs, one of them can climb out of the ring and grab the nomination. No one thinks they're going to beat Trump head to head so much as they think they can emerge victorious if it's a last man standing type of scenario where everybody's beating the life out of each other. And that's exactly what we're about to witness. You're about to witness something out of DeSantis that, like Tim Scott's announcement yesterday, is a little more targeted. It's going to happen with a lot more strategy. Okay, it's going to happen with, you know, more people consulting. It's going to happen with more people you know, working on the infrastructure of the campaign and making sure that they have folks at every level that indemnify the candidate against some type of backlash or easy lane of criticism. The one thing about Trump is, and I tell you that this is a strength and a weakness at the same time, is Trump is very much winging it at the highest level of our government. You know when Trump used to tell you all the time, oh, you know, I hire the best people. That is a fact check false. Everybody he hired initially quit and wrote a tell-all book about the guy. Some people got charged. Some people went over to other channels and left the campaign. I mean, he's had a lot of, he's had a lot of problems with hiring. And uh, I don't begrudge him that because it also happens to be one of his strengths. I tell you this all the time about political rallies. You know, when you go to a Trump rally, they're not doing that fake thing that all politicians do. Any other politician gives a speech, any other one, okay, they coordinate the audience to make sure it looks diverse, and it looks like the candidate's being supported by the front of a college brochure. Let's get one of everything. Black, white, Asian, Muslim, gay, straight, Latino, Pokemon, Pikachu, Mario, Luigi, whatever you can come up with. One of everybody. Carefully co- coordinate them on the stage and we'll have a nice little, you know, nice looking, you know, facade of unity. OK, you show up to a Trump rally. It just looks like the line to get seated at Cracker Barrel. It's amazing. The guy in a who farted T-shirt on the left. There's an old woman with a musket on the right. There's a fat guy eating pizza in the middle. That's Chris Christie. And uh, the point being is Trump is just out there flying by the seat of his pants, giving you a real person. And in a lot of ways, the political talking heads class was like, oh, this is horrible. How dare you? But Trump was actually treating you like more of an adult than anybody was. Why? Because he wasn't speaking to you in carefully curated sound bites. 
He wasn't speaking to you on carefully coordinated stages. He was just, hey, I'm the guy. These are my opinions. This is what I think of Washington. Throw the fastball. On some level, really admirable stuff. But what we're setting up for now is a type of Ali Frazier type of matchup where you get the guy who wings it, okay, in Donald Trump, squaring off, it would seem, head-to-head against Ron DeSantis, a guy who's a lot more calculated, has a phenomenal legislative record down there in Florida, okay, has a lot of heat right now with the donor class and is losing in primary polls. But all of that stuff changes when people get into the race and the candidates go head-to-head. But the point is, right now, the Republican Party is poised for something straight out of SummerSlam. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. Straight up. And the reason we're heading in that direction and the reason we're talking about as many as 12 candidates ultimately getting into this race is because the guy in Washington right now that happens to be running things is terrible. Come on, man. No, I mean, Joe Biden absolutely sucks. Tell him like it is. But that's why so many people want to run. Okay, it's not that people think in a one on one they can handle Trump. Trump's got chops. Trump is funny. The audiences laugh at him. He gets applause breaks. It's he's not an easy out. Okay, in boxing, there was a Polish fighter by the name of Andrew Galata that it was tough to look good against because he'd headbutt you. He'd bite you. He'd hit you in the nuts, thumb you in the eye when the ref wasn't looking. And he was a hell of an entertainer. Okay, and it was hard to get comfortable against him in the ring. And that is very much Trump. So I don't think anybody, not even Ron DeSantis, is jumping in the in the ring tomorrow like, I'll take this guy out head to head. I think they're very much looking for some type of a SummerSlam type of scenario where 12 people duke it out and hit each other with every weapon they can get their hands on. Oh, and the ref doesn't see it. You'll see Mr. Fuji Dust. Some Brutus the Barber beefcake sleeper holds. Somebody might even get their hair cut at the end of a, of a knockout. Maybe a leaping Lanny Poffo poem before he jumps off the top ropes. Okay, some character assassinations oiled up by the macho man, Randy Savage. You told some of the biggest lies that I've ever heard of in my whole life. But the reason, the reason they're going to be as vicious as they are, the reason they're going to be as vile as they are. I mean, it's going to be a straight up food fight from now until the voting starts in January and February of next year is because they know damn well Whoever gets out of that ring is going to be the next president of the United States because they'll be running against an incumbent administration that has no idea what they're doing. I'm Kamala Harris, and I approve this message. The show that's standing up to big tech. Get those nerds! 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 You're listening to Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. The breaking news, Ron DeSantis will jump into the presidential race tomorrow at 6 p.m. on Twitter. He's doing a live event with Elon Musk, which would lead one to believe Elon Musk is endorsing Ron DeSantis. It's really weird that he would do his campaign rollout on the platform. It's unclear if he'll get on there and say flat out, this is my guy. But it's clearly something that he is affording DeSantis that he did not afford other candidates. Now, my problem there, in all honesty, um, is that this will allow uh, outside media to brandish Twitter as a right-leaning platform, which, to be clear, it was a left-leaning platform since the beginning of time. 
And with a straight face, the media used to tell us that Twitter was unbiased. Come on, don't bullshit me. The problem is when we screamed and yelled about their content moderate content moderators being political ideologues, you know, we could find ourselves in a situation where everything you're doing on Twitter is now being characterized as the very thing you hated Twitter for being, which was subservient to one political worldview. Now, I don't know that Twitter is just going to become a straight-up Republican Thunderdome uh, like Truth Social, uh, but I do know this will make it a lot easier for critics of Elon Musk to paint this app into that one-note corner. It'll make it a lot easier for critics of Ron DeSantis to paint him as a ally of the big tech moguls, the very thing the Democrats are. Do you understand? Big tech played the biggest role in influencing the outcome of the 2020 election. They censored the Hunter Biden laptop story and forbid people from sharing it, categorizing it as Russian disinformation. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, we came to find out after the election that not only was the laptop real, but foreign entities were wiring money to Hunter Biden that he was then funneling back to his family through 15 different shell accounts. Hunter's a dirtbag. We've got FBI whistleblowers that have come forward to say Biden was getting the money. Are you the big man, Joe? Nope. And we're not even discussing this anywhere outside of Fox because the rest of the media completely went to bed on the story, swept it under the rug, and we hated them for doing it. Now, it's not to say Elon Musk is going to interfere in an election the way Jack Dorsey and Twitter did or Mark Zuckerberg threw all his money behind getting Democrats elected, but that's going to be the accusation. And the fact that he launches with DeSantis will lend a lot of credence to that accusation. Don't ever forget, you're dealing with a people whose emotions are their facts. So if they can say, oh, look at him, he's with this big rich guy, he doesn't care about you, he's rolling it out on Twitter, the right-wing hate speech is through the roof, they don't need proof of that. Okay, the old adage was if you have the facts, pound the facts, if you have nothing, pound the table. The Democrats make a living on pounding the table. You know, and you're sitting there going full-on Ric Flair about this stuff, looking for some kind of proof. Put up or shut up. Well, the truth is they don't give you the proof. They just keep on pounding the table. And that's exactly what they'll be doing tomorrow night at 6 p.m. when DeSantis launches. The world's a mess. We're going to clean it up with Brian Brenberg. He joins us next on Fox Across America. Oh, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Political news breaking all over the place right now. Ron DeSantis is going to get into the 2024 election tomorrow at 6 p.m. on Twitter. Joining us now to talk about that and so much more. Uh, he is the co-host of The Big Money Show. Brian Brenberg is in the house. The crowd goes wild. Hey, man. Hey, man. We're not going to do a lot of debt ceiling because me and you talk about this off the air. It's kind of boring. But the one thing I enjoy about the debt ceiling is every subject that happens in Washington allows a few million people to go on social media and pretend they're an expert on the subject. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And when it comes to the debt ceiling, that's my favorite one. Like I have people in my feed that are actually, they don't know it, quoting the lyrics to like Dancing on the Ceiling from Lionel Richie. <laughs> like, like, no, that's not the debt ceiling, as a matter of fact. I'm like, oh, what a feeling. That's not analysis. That's, that's not cutting the budget. That's actually Lionel Richie's lyrics. 
and uh, everybody just goes everywhere. That is, you know, if we could get Lionel Richie involved here, though, I think it could actually get things moving. Well, he's still bombed over at the inauguration. I know, that's the, the problem. Uh, the, whatever that was, the you know, coronation. King Charles would let him go for a second. He could come over and help us out a little bit. <laughs> he's still hanging out. But my question to you really quick before we get into the political food fights is, does the guy on social media quoting Lionel Richie lyrics – no, any less than the people that's in Washington the, balancing the budget. But that's the point, actually. He's on the same level as the official guys in the room. They walk in and they're like, who, who brought the Lionel Richie? You know, I mean, that, <laughs> that's kind of where this thing is. Endless debate. endless An endless summer of debate. I think there's a song reference in there well, somewhere. Well, if, ca- if, if a calculator walked into D.C. and said, hello, is it me you're looking for? They'd be like, no, actually. <laughs> Because if you if you have a calculator, you're probably not thirty two trillion dollars in debt, Brenberg. No, none of the you know when you go to Washington, the first thing it tells you you got to leave your calculator at home. That's the rule. That's right? the problem. Like you can't bring it in. They check it at the door. And that's so funny. We're talking to Brian Brenberg. He's in studio. There's a budget battle going on. I don't know what I what I see this as being right now in this in these stages is it becomes an exercise in who can mischaracterize the other side's positions yes. the most. Yep. So the Democrats are like, well, the Republicans want to kill everybody. So that's, you know, this is this is fi- economic terrorism, which i got to be honest, sounds a little drastic uh, to me. A little drastic. But they, they throw these words about. And, you know, the Republicans, one thing that McCarthy spoke to, which I appreciated Tim Scott saying yesterday in his announcement, is we shouldn't be spending all of this money to subsidize able-bodied people staying home. Yeah. Which I think we should agree on that. Yeah. But I don't know that we do. That's the point. We don't. But what this becomes is there's always one side that holds the cards and the other side knows it. Mm -hmm. And so all this is is like how do you play it in a way where – you, you, the guys who hold the cards get in such a bad spot that they have to give up some of their leverage. That's what it is right now. McCarthy's yeah. got the cards, okay, because mm-hmm. he put the plan out there. And Biden, at this point, is just saying, well, the closer I get to the X date, the, the heat goes up so much. Yeah. And his bet is McCarthy's going to have to fold on something. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like, you just know when you don't have the leverage, you just try to turn up the heat as much as possible. It makes sense. But this is my question on all of that, because, you know, traditionally— They'd say, well, you know, McCarthy didn't fold. And if we default, well, they're going to blame that on McCarthy because he didn't give him, give him what he wanted. But I think in this day and age, I think if you're the president and we default for the first time in history under you, I think that's going on. You no, it is. Record. It is. I mean, that's why McCarthy holds the cards. Yeah, if okay. we actually default, Biden's it's going to fall on Biden. Yeah. So Biden knows that McCarthy's – well, I don't know what Biden knows. but somebody, <laughs> Biden doesn't know anything. Somebody in Biden's corner knows they've the guy got who him writes in the that court. card they yes. hand him. Before he speaks, card writer guy knows. <laughs> card, because that's who we should be talking. Why are we talking about Biden? Yeah. We should be talking about card writer guy. You know that's funny. It's like you call the White House. You're like, oh, that's fine. Is, are your parents home? Right. <laughs> Is your yeah, mom or manager. dad home, Mr. President? <laughs> Is there somebody I can talk to here in a position of authority, Mr. President? Card writer guys knows what's going on. Card writer guy is saying, let's just wait till we get to the yelling date mm. that she's just making up right now. Totally. And we'll, we'll just, the flames will be so high at that point that we'll bet McCarthy will give up a little bit of the great hand he's holding. That's what this is about. This is why you bring Brian Brenberg onto the show. It's the kind of hardcore analysis. Because although we get into the, you know, there's a real wonkiness to the procedural aspects of this. I'm supposed to be like radio smelling salts, keep people on the road. I call it radio rumble strips. That's it. I don't want people to fall asleep listening to talk. Everybody's just yelling all day. <laughs> <laughs> the debt ceiling. <laughs> 
And it's, it's exhausting. You either get angry or you get sleepy. So the point is, I'm Radio Rumble Strips. I'm trying to keep people awake. And we're trying to process this heavy news by putting your vitamins and your apple sauce. You're welcome, America. Oh okay, stick with me, though, because we talk about being on the road. This is what I covered on Fox & Friends today. We were talking about electric cars and how Ford is actually seeing, despite investments in green energy and EV initiatives, seeing a lot of growth in their combustible right. engine vehicles right now. <laughs> Why? Because it's what they're customer wants yeah people want to get where they're going they Uh want to know that they're gonna not gonna run out of power by the time they get there it's helpful when you can afford a vehicle and Mm -hmm. for all of those reasons they're buying gas-powered cars and ford has to like kind of throw that out there like we are making massive investments in ev and by the way our gas-powered business (laughs) is actually why we're still around and if you want an expedition it's going to be two years. <laughs> There's a bit of a wait line for the gas-powered stuff. We can get your electric car right now. We can actually get one yesterday. But that's what's going on. Nobody, they, climate change always has a cosigner. It can't get approved by the American public on its own. Right. We don't collectively want to hear the Beach Boys sing fun, fun, fun till daddy takes the charger away. <laughs> okay, it was the T-Bird, not the charger, but that's what the, where this is headed. Right. And because that's where we are, they have to – there's a heavy-handed coercion. Yeah. It's either climate justice, yeah. which is so crazy, climate equity, you know, crazy. And then, of course, they shoehorned that ridiculous – it was an Inflation Reduction Act – that increases inflation, but we spend on green yeah. energy. Where I come from, Brenberg, I don't know what they do in Minneapolis, okay? Where I come from, that's called a scam. Yeah. That's, that's a scam. But here's the thing. So people always say, well, don't you think the Democrats are going to chuck Biden out? They don't want him to run. Okay. But do you understand, and I don't know how he did it. The card writer maybe did it. But yep. do you realize that this guy has gotten through an Inflation Reduction Act that had nothing to do with inflation, and he is in the process of completely reinventing the U.S. economy? Yeah. To, for power sources that we don't have enough of to yeah. actually live our lives. I mean, the the things he has done, when you add them up, mm-hmm. but right after they scare you to death, you ought to say to yourself, my gosh, somebody's gotten a lot done. They have because it's bureaucrats. He, he, and so he, that's the thing. Like People say, well, he's, he can't do the job. That's the point. I know. That's the virtue. The feature of a Biden is mm-hmm. he's not even interested in doing the job, the- which means that the real people who want to get things done and reinvent the world in crazy ways – they have all the power. Guys, there's a, what Brenberg is telling you, there's a Woody Allen movie called The Front. It's about back when writers were getting blacklisted in Hollywood during the era of McCarthyism. Mm. They'd send a guy in for a job interview who knew nothing about screenwriting, and they just needed him to get hired. And The Front, the actual screenwriters who'd been blacklisted, could write these scripts and right. send them into the huddle. And they were writing phenomenal scripts. Okay, I don't know that I consider these good scripts, but the point <laughs> is... Quality's another matter, no, no, okay? It's another issue, okay? But this is a bad remake of The Front, where we have one guy got hired, and now they're sending the scripts into the huddle. And yes, they happen to be reconfiguring our entire economy, which is why I think when you look out at the quality of life erosion under Biden, we're about to have a food fight in the Republican Party for the nomination that it it could get. I'm still hearing 10 or 12 people. I don't know where they're getting their money from because Tim Scott and DeSantis have all of it and Trump has what's left. But I am hearing still rumblings of a Chris Christie. You know, Asa Hutchinson's down there somewhere doing something. Right. You know, we've got all the Sununu talk. You know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of Vivek Ramaswamy who's been on the show. He's pleasant. He's fun. Uh, Nikki Haley's in the ring right now. 
And now we get DeSantis at 6 p.m. tomorrow on Elon, uh, with Elon Musk. Uh, I don't know what to make of this right now, but I'm really excited to watch it. As a sports fan, I don't want to talk about this as it's politics. Yeah. I want to talk about this right. as sports, okay? We're going to the Pontiac Silver Dome for WrestleMania 3 That's tomorrow right. at 6 Thank o'clock. You. Thank you. When everybody gets in the ring. So you got like the Hulkster, you got Andre the Giant, you got the Junkyard Dog, you got the Macho Man. That's the Republican Party from now until January of next year. So is Musk mean Gene Okerlund in that? He's a man, like, yeah. He's doing the, well, you tell know me, Gene. Mr. DeSantis. Uh, some people might say that Donald Trump is a better candidate. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Mr. Gene. <laughs> Brenberg went down a YouTube hole. Yes, he did. Have you been watching wrestling clips again, Brian? I think Macho Man Randy Savage is one of the world's great entertainers. He's phenomenal. He is so good. <laughs> the grunts. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then every once in a while, he'll get philosophical. He'll be like, nothing means nothing, man. <laughs> nothing means nothing. You're like, that's true, Macho Man. That is so true. And when we get to SummerSlam, <laughs> we get to WrestleMania. Brian Bremberg's in studio. We've been reduced to wrestling impressions. That's what the political landscape has done to us. But I consider this an upgrade. I mean, would you not rather watch me if every time a politician did an interview was a mean Gene Okerlund style yeah. instead of this garbage talking point nonsense they give us? That's how we wound up in this. Mess. We'd actually get somewhere. You know, yeah. there'd be a real title belt fight if we had some of that. Thank you. Well, what I think makes this race so interesting from here, something we were talking about off the air, is DeSantis's announcement uh, with Elon Musk. Is a play. None of us saw this one coming. So if it was, you know, True. carefully coordinated, it's very interesting, uh, and it's a testament to his more measured style. You're about to watch a guy that's a little more tactical square off against Trump, who is Andrew Gallat. Right. Headbutt you, bite you, thumb you in the eye, whatever he's got to do. You're going to get hit in the nuts. It's going to be a really a, when the whistle blows, anything goes. That's who Trump yep. is. Okay. He's a street fighter. And I think we're about to watch a really wild contrast in styles. What I don't know is that we're ever going to see a one-on-one fight. What mm. the Republican Party looks like to me is what I grew up doing in Levittown, which is two guys exchange words, one guy throws a punch, 33 guys jump right. in. That's what I think we're about to watch. We're about to watch someone's above-ground pool get collapsed and the cops come and raid the keg party, and someone's going to emerge victorious. It is, and yet there's something, and I haven't put my finger on it, but there's something about it that seems like that's exactly what we got to have, at yep. least on one side of this thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's it was different battling with Trump in 2016 because he was sort of coming from an unknown place. And the, none of the guys in that stage knew how to deal with that. And yep. they were just caught. But it's been a long time since 2016. And the serious folks in this race know exactly what they're getting into with that. And so yep. it's going to be fascinating to watch how they kind of dodge and counterpunch and where they protect. And I, it's, I think it's going to feel quite a bit different than Jeb Bush up there. <laughs> Low energy, Jeb. Please clap. Do you remember when he gave him the high five Please and clap. Jeb was all excited because he got that moment out of Trump where he actually like, he's like, ah, oh, that's a good one uh, up high. And Jeb was like, yeah, because he was so excited. Someone said something nice to him. <laughs> right. That was rough. And Jeb was coming into that race, the front runner. Right. And he got roughed up, man. That's what I'm saying. You think about like a Jeb coming into that race versus a DeSantis coming into this race. Yeah. That probably tells you what you need to know about the different approach here. And that's going to make a difference. Well, this is what I think. We're just talking sports. We're not talking politics, but talking about the idea of execution and how they're going to do this. I take DeSantis launching his campaign with Elon Musk as a sign that he's going to try to run over Trump. What I mean by that is, you know, everyone says the road to the nomination, you got to go through Trump. 
I think he's going to try to dismiss Trump mm-hmm. in the sense that he doesn't want to alienate his voters. He just wants to make a general election case that, hey, we can yeah. all we all like Don. We all like his policies. A lot of his policies are my policies. Yeah. But there's too much at stake in this election to nominate a guy with this much baggage. I think that's going to be his. So angle. maybe what you're saying, the theory is. Don't get drawn into the fight. Yes, don't he doesn't, fight. He doesn't want to wrestle. You don't want to get in the ring with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think fundamentally he's got to know that's a bad move because there's no way you're better at what Trump does than what Trump does. Do you remember when Marco Rubio was about to get thrown out of the race once and for all and he did like a stand-up routine? Yeah. He was in front of a chain-link fence doing yo mama jokes, <laughs> making fun of Trump's package. Do you remember that? And Trump famously said the line at a presidential debate, he hit my hands. He said, if they're small, something else must be small. I assure you there's no problem (laughs) those words were said at a presidential debate and the point is no one can do that for whatever people listening think of donald trump he has a thing that other people don't possess yeah the cnn town hall everything that was supposed to be a liability turned into an applause break it's it is totally amazing how he you're right you don't recognize that he's the best at what he does. Yes. So he I, is the best at what he does. I don't think DeSantis is getting on the mic tomorrow and being like, ah, you got a fake tan. Like, yeah. I don't think he wants that fight. No. I think he's going to try to run over, not through. Does that, I don't know if that makes this make sense. Yeah. But, but essentially avoid that head to head. He just, he's not, he, he's, he's never going to step in the ring and throw a punch with him. Like as best as he, as best he can. Yeah. He's going to find some other way. Yeah. He's going to find some other way around. I mean, and I, I don't, can it be done? I don't know. Cause Trump will come at you. Yeah. Trump's coming. And what, but what I think every other candidate strategy really is, is to be the 2003 Florida Marlins. And what that means is the Yankees and the Red Sox were clearly the two superior teams in major league baseball that year. They played to an epic game seven finale with the walk off Aaron Boone yeah. home run against yeah. Tim Wakefield, that whole thing. And then both teams, were so emotionally spent <laughs> that the Marlins, a team who had no business being in that series, ran right over the Yankees. A couple of good starts out of Josh Beckett, and that was that. Right. The, the Marlins didn't have much, but they had eight hours of sleep a night. <laughs> we didn't have much. <laughs> and, that's why, and that's why they won. <laughs> Thank you. And they ran them over. And I think if you're like Tim Scott or you're Nikki Haley, that's what you're hoping for. Yeah, you're I, hoping these guys go seven and you inherit the nomination. Tim, I really do think that's Tim Scott's deal. Yeah. Like These guys are going to look so bruised and battered by the time this is done, and I'm just going to say, look at me, I'm here. Wow. What a crazy time to be alive. It is, but I have to say this. I just I think in America right now, with all the question of suppression of speech and no debate and all this stuff, mm-hmm. I am in for, you know, because, uh, look, presidential elections of the past for for hundreds of years in America have been some of the rowdiest things you can ever imagine. We all forget what it was like in some of those early races. I mean, it was dirty. It was ugly. It was mean. Mm -hmm. That's politics. Thank you. But let's do politics because nothing else works better. Yeah. Right? What what else are we going to do? Anoint the monarch? (laughs) Let's not do that. Let England do that. Yeah, come on, man. The next thing you know, we got another Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. We don't want that. They were wronged. We, we really, we judged them last week for their high-speed chase. But I have it on good authority. They hit speeds of up to 12 miles an hour, hey. which in New York is high speed. Watch out. You know what I'm saying? No. It's, you if you get anywhere in New York, it's high speed. Just getting somewhere <laughs> feels high speed. It's just high speed in the sense that you all have a contact high from all the weed in the city, <laughs> I think is what you're trying to say, Brenberg. 
Uh, well, Brian Bremberg, expert analysis as always. Everyone should watch The Big Money Show every day at 1 o'clock. They should DVR watch it the second time around 2 or 3. Oh, good, yeah. Need good analysis for finance uh, and for the country at whole. And this is all I say in leaving you on the debt ceiling. All I say to my audience every day, man, is you run a country like you run a house. We have X amount of income, Y amount of bills. If you just took that basic responsibility to governance, you don't wind up $32 trillion in debt. Yeah. So if somebody could just get out a calculator, I'm not asking for a lot. Yeah, but these guys get into politics because they couldn't run their house that way and they needed something else to screw up. That's the point. You know who they are? That's true. They're the life coaches. That's right. You know the person who's been divorced five times that's given you relationship advice? You're like, yeah, maybe not. I don't, I don't know that you're the expert on this. You're positing yourself as. Good point, Brian Brenberg. That's why you book him, Mikey. We're back after this. The show that sees through the bullet. My response is right, you know, and the stripper really likes you. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. No big deal. Just sitting here in the studio, giving my pal some of the most sensitive gossip in the world on a hot mic. Don't mind me. Nothing to be alarmed about. I'm kidding. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We are in the bottom of the ninth. When the radio party ends, the TV party begins. Uh, I am scheduled tonight to be on Waters World. Uh, But that could turn into a Fox News tonight at 8 p.m., pending breaking news. We're juggling some logistics right now. So you always got to check back. I posted on the Fox Across America Facebook page. I will, of course, tweet something witty on Twitter as well. We get a full service brothel here at Fox Across America. We really get a lot of bang for your buck on this show. You meet me, you know my family, the TV schedule, the stand up. You're all in. It's like the Olive Garden. When you're here, you're family. Uh, but you are not here anymore. The show is over. Pay up and get out. We're back here to do the damn thing again tomorrow. Until then. You can be a Republican, be a Democrat, be a Libertarian, be an Independent. Just don't be a... There it is. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.